And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's up? What's up? What's up? I'm trying to figure out all this AI stuff and... Yeah, I'm just like, I think I need to be intelligent before I can figure yeah. out artificial intelligence. You, you're yeah. agreeing with that? We need we need you to be more intelligent. I know. So I've brought in experts. So I have. I have brought in experts. And with us today, we have Jerry Abiog, who's the co-founder and CMO of Standard Insights. Uh, Standard Insights is an AI as a service growth marketing platform that ensures businesses or helps them helps businesses to execute data-driven omni-channel campaigns. And I'm looking forward to Jerry telling us what exactly that means. So Jerry, welcome to Startup Hustle. Hey, thanks, Matt. Glad to be here. I'm glad I'm glad to have you too. Now it's now Jerry, tell us exactly what all of this AI as a service growth marketing platform stuff's all about. Yeah, really real quick. So AI, its most basic definition is getting a computer to think and act like a human. And we're already seeing it being used in our everyday lives. Two big, two uh, common examples, Amazon with their product recommendations and Netflix with their movie recommendations. Okay, so now for those of you listening, you know I like it when you are interactive. So go to standardinsights.io and then you have a, a brother or sister product, which is iOrder.menu. Let's talk a little bit about that, Jerry. What's, what's your backstory? I mean, how'd you get into all of this and what, what brought us to these couple platforms? Yeah, a couple, a couple things. So there are two pivots, if you will. So the first pivot was me co-founding Standard Insights. And uh, how that started was my last corporate job was nine or 10 years ago. And when I left corporate America, I started my own business helping software companies with sales and marketing initiatives. And some of my clients did well, we had successful exits. And as they say in life, you learn from failures. And one of those clients that I had was a big bus, other bus fell on my face. And that company was actually my first experience with working with an AI machine learning company. We had a great idea, poor execution. And when I learned two things at that time was number one, regardless of what software platform you, you have out there, it has to be easy to use and solve your uh, potential client's business problem. So that was number one. And number two, there was something bubbling beneath the surface with regards to artificial intelligence and machine learning applications. So much so that there was a study put out late last year by Statista that the AI market is projected to be a, a $500 billion industry in about five years. So as this client was imploding about three, four years ago through serendipitous events, I met my future co-founder. He, he used to live in Atlanta, worked for a Fortune 50 company as a technological architect. He was visiting from Chennai, India. We met over a few beers through mutual friends. 
he had uh, shared with me or pitched me this uh, prototype that he had of an AI as a service growth marketing platform to help businesses drive repeat buyers. Uh, so learning from what I learned in the past from my past client, I thought it had enough legs to warrant an extra look. I took the concept, flew out from Atlanta to Denver to the outdoor retail show. And a week later, when I came back to Atlanta, uh, Standard Insights was born. Actually, we were called a different name back then, but the idea was born. I had secured two beta clients and we were off to the races. So that was uh, number number one pivot for Standard Insights. So the second pivot to iOrder.menu, one of our competitors last year, um, well, McDonald's bought one of our competitors. Uh, it's an AI-driven company to help them better engage uh, with their customers. So once we saw that last summer, we developed iOrder.menu, an AI-driven uh, digital menu. And we kind of fell flat, man, to, to be honest. It just wasn't the right time. I took it to a buddy of mine up the street who owned a Thai restaurant. He said to me, hey, this is great, but I don't think we're ready for it. And even if I did this today, I'd uh, have to lay off the majority of my wait staff. Uh, you know, America's just not ready to order food from your smartphone. The idea sounds cool, but hey, everyone loves holding that menu in their hand. And everyone loves listening to what the waiter or waitresses, you know, has to say about the specials of the day. So we shelved it last summer. COVID comes along in March, shuts the entire planet down. That includes restaurants. And we pulled it out of the garage, made some tweaks and a handful of restaurants are already using it. So any software or any business that does well solves a problem. I mean, what overall, like, and I get that, and thanks for that overview, but what's the, what's the true problem that either one of these platforms is trying to solve? Like in the, in the case of the menu, is that just, is that just alleviating the need for servers or making things faster? And the same, same question goes with standard insights. So the standard insights or I order, the main problem that it's trying to solve is to help businesses drive repeat buyers through AI-driven relevant customer engagement. So that's the overall uh, premise of it. But because of COVID, there was another factor that helped that I order uh, solving, and that is in regards to safety. So now we've got two problems that we're solving with I order. It's safety of the the restaurant patrons and then driving repeat buyers or customer loyalty from that that customer base. Yeah, because some restaurants now don't allow you to order in person at all, right? Like like I went to uh um I mean they I mean even if they do have one person, they're doing it all on like a tablet or a phone or something. Like it's just so different now. Yeah, absolutely. And this all just changed in the handful uh, last three months, three, four months. How long have we been in this uh, mess since March when basically everything like shut forever. down? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah just me. <laughs> this seems like normal to me. I don't remember life before this at this point. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been fun. so long. What yeah. day is it? <laughs> Matt, you mentioned restaurants feeling different. I just realized I haven't been to a physical restaurant since March. Since all of this happened, I literally have not been out to eat anywhere. So I've been to a hopefully few. I'll start. 
hopefully I'll survive in this brave new world. Now, obviously, when it comes to, you know, you mentioned certain AI applications like Netflix or Amazon, um, you know, putting the right kind. So with, with Standard Insights, this is about continuing to put the right things in front of the right eyes and taking that, uh, we'll call it that digital product mapping out of the hands of, of people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so how do you go about doing that? So we started off when we first started two years ago, focusing our initial vertical, if you will, was e-commerce clients. They were the early adopters of AI and we wanted to, to branch out. So we were looking at our other uh, verticals. So, you know, financial services, brick and mortar, and now restaurants. So every business can benefit from data-driven customer engagement, variety of channels, whether that could be email, text, or social media. So we wanted to have a specific focus on driving repeat buyers for businesses, big or small, but across a variety of different verticals. And with I ordered, that's going to be in the uh, restaurant hospitality space. So I'll tell you what, I'm all about I order because my wife has an impossible time picking anything off of any menu. So any kind of any kind of data driven solution that can get that order in faster. I'm a a big fan of Um, I go for that all day. So, you know, AI is is for many people uh, a somewhat new technology. And then overall, it hasn't been around for a long time. Um, I would imagine that over the years that you've had to overcome some specific problems. Was there something that either one of these platforms, was there, was there a big hurdle you guys had to jump over? Uh, probably the biggest thing would be education. People just, they kind of know about AI, and but they kind of don't. So my last company I work with, my client, if you talk to 10 people, one or two, like, oh yeah, I get AI, you know, heard of it. But now fast forward four or five years later that you talk, you ask that same 10 people, maybe four or five would know about AI. So the thing is, it's about a, the education process. And do you need a big staff to run it? And, uh, you know, with us, no, you don't. For the most part, it's simply, you know, plug and play with an API connector or a CSV file or uh, extraction uh, transform load tools. We try to make it simple. If you have clean data, you run it through our uh, smart choice uh, AI engine and it pops out the recommendations. And within two clicks of your of your mouse, you can prioritize and execute campaigns. Matt, what would you use this kind of platform for? Well, as somebody who sells stuff online, I mean, we're always trying to figure out why people buy, who buys, how to increase conversion, um, you know, who's the ideal customer. I mean, these are common problems for every business, right? And the more data you have, the the more you need a tool like this to help sift through it and figure out the the signal from the noise. And Matt Watson, you're yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's cliche to say that you know data is the new oil, but really it is a commodity. And those people that know how, those companies that know how to use it and use it to their advantage, they'll win over those that don't. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because with your marketing-driven solution, this is very similar to what our CMO at FullScale 
did for a job. And he used to work for Husqvarna who sells all kinds of construction and different kinds of materials where, you know, they have, they are literally have people that are mapping the different products to different buyers. And just cause you know, someone buys concrete doesn't mean, you know, what kind I've learned more about concrete through hiring Joel than, than I ever thought I'd know, but you know, that has so much to do with like what, what messages you're delivering via email, what you're putting them in front of in your website, uh, maybe what you're spending your CPC ads on. And we've seen some various, uh, uh, just here through the podcast, some different innovators and startup founders that are doing some really cool stuff with AI. Just like I, everything from uh, knowing when certain TV ads were going to be on, so you could raise your CPC bids and and try to get a higher click through rate. And you know, really, in the end, you talk about d- data being the new oil. Well, it has so much to do with trying to determine what people are going to uh, you know buy from you. So. You know, there's there's been some people on the early cusp out there. Jerry, are there are there particulars, uh, particular individuals or companies that have mentored or invested in you? So we're self-funded right now. And uh, along the way, we even asked. So myself and the three other co-founders, we want to achieve some certain goals, if you will, before we seek funding, because I'm sure you guys are, are familiar. I mean, if you're getting funding. I mean, our product's already developed, so we're just doing tweaks in here and there. But, you know, when you're getting funding, like early on, the less control you have of your company or your shares, you're doling out equity, equity stakes left and right if you're getting funding uh, at the early, you know, early onset. So we're just fortunate enough that we're able to make it this far with being self-funded. Is there any uh, particular, any type of business or anyone in general that you've modeled the company after? So we've taken, so yes, we have. So we've taken uh, about four or five different companies that, and I'm not going to share the four or five different companies, but yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. We're looking at, looked at four or five uh, different companies that, Hey, they've got a cool product and another company has a cool product. And so we wanted to be more of a, what's a good example um, like a multifaceted pocket knife instead of a Phillips screwdriver. Sure. So it would encompass sure. a multitudes of, uh, uh, you know, tech stacks, if you is will. There, so, is, there some, is there something that you're doing to differentiate yourself from the co- competition that you can share? Yeah. So one thing is, and people ask this all the time, it's like, hey, can you help? Uh, your, your tool sounds cool. Can you, you know, help me? bring new buyers. And so the intent of our platform is to drive repeat buyers from your existing customer base. I mean, there's a lot of cool tools out there using artificial intelligence to bring new people in. Uh, You know, we don't, we don't do that. It's just looking at your existing data, you know, uh, you know, scoring all the customers that are potential profitability, figuring out what each, you know, what Jerry or Matt or the other Matt's likely to buy and then executing campaigns around that. So ours is just singularly focused on driving repeat business from your existing customer base. Well, so at my company, Stackify, you know, we sell a product to software developers and, uh, you know, we are, we see more growth every year of expanding our existing customer base you know, how much our existing customer base spends versus finding new business. And um, expansion is a, is a huge opportunity and, and might be something a lot of people don't really think about is they're always trying to find the new customer, but you can make a lot more money from your existing ones as well. Yeah, and there was a study put out by Bain that a 5% improvement in uh, 
in business from your current customer base can generate between 25 to 95% in profit. However, people don't always realize that. They're always looking for the, the new shiny object, spending a lot of money on, you know, CPC ads, right? Facebook ads to bring that new new customer in. And that costs a lot of money. And yes, there is relevancy to that. But once you've been around, once you've got a certain level of, of customers, it's time to focus on upselling, cross-selling those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty business 101 info yeah. to share that, you know, keeping the customers that you have is also a lot less expensive than finding new ones. Right. Um, so, what you know, are, is there anything that now it's one thing to expand sales? Do you guys do anything when it comes to like client or customer retention? Is that is that a specific focus as well? Yeah, absolutely. Because the worst thing you want to do is get someone or, uh, you know, the owners or president of a company all hyped up on AI software and they signed a check, but at then, and, but then none of their, um, you know, none of their staff ever log into the software. And so when it comes time to, to renew, it's like, Oh, Hey, we bought into the hype, but we didn't use it or we didn't log in. So yes, to address that, you know, we're, uh, with our clients, we're in constant communication with them once a week, once every other week, or how often, even if just to say, hi, how are things going? That's it. So we're in front of them all the time, not just because, hey, they signed a check, we got the contract and poof, on to the next. Um, and if you go to Standard Insights, our, our products, we do offer managed services, a managed services component to it to help uh, people that need it run and execute the software. Yeah, I was actually curious about that because I think a lot of people are intimidated by the term artificial intelligence. And then obviously every business has a different set of needs. It has a different set of clients. It solves a different set of problems. So, um, you know, assuming that uh, I think the managed service side of things is important for businesses like yours, just so, you know, if I'm going to sign up, I feel a little better about that. Yeah. So when it, when it comes to building a startup or building any kind of business, uh, obviously you got to have some kind of plan. What have you guys done to plan uh, standard insights and iOrder.menu? So we start off with the core uh, basics of, you know, driving repeat buyers, but we're always on the lookout for new and different verticals that could use the basics of our platform and then obviously we'll, we'll tweak accordingly. Um, we did that last year with, with um, the you know, launching of iOrder, but then no one really bought, right? And you know, just because you, you shoot a basket, you're not always gonna make it in the hoop, right? So it didn't make it last year. It's like, okay, we spent some time developing uh, a prototype and it didn't take, but we developed that prototype we had the knowledge of that prototype and yeah, we did shelve it, but then COVID comes along. No one planned for COVID coming along, but Hey, um, you take advantage of what's presented to you. So we pulled it out of the garage. So we're always looking at different verticals. I was another podcast a couple weeks ago and someone mentioned to me, it's like, Hey, one of the board members of this big real estate international company is on, on my board. He's on that board. And I think your product would be cool to help find out the different behavior patterns that make people buy real estate or the different homes and, and, and the different breakdowns. So now we're having a meeting with him and exploring that angle. 
I was in another meeting last week. Um, someone mentioned to me, it's like, hey, this would be cool for, you know, doctor clinics and hospitals that they also need to be up to date, uh, more in tune with their marketing, just because a lot of those guys are losing revenue due to COVID. And so we're exploring that opportunity. And I told that that person, I said, hey, look, that, that sounds like a great idea. It happens to be that one of our my our fellow co-founder, CEO, he used to be an MD. So we're always looking at other opportunities, other verticals that can benefit from our platform and help help others. So Jerry, is your is your goal to build a a business here that's kind of does consulting and services and kind of does these one project at a time? Or are you trying to build a platform that's kind of hands off and really scales and then people can just come use your platform? So the um, building a platform that scales, that's first and foremost, but to keep customers and keep them engaged, we do offer the managed services. So first and foremost is building a platform that scales. Absolutely. So that's what I wonder with all this AI stuff is it, does it require a lot of professional services, right? To help people figure out how to solve a problem, how to use it. And so it's like, you really have a business that's very services uh, based versus a product that's strictly software. Like, you know, the customer comes and uses it, but it's all self-service. That seems like so, the hardest part. So there's going to be a balance. So there's a software piece, but with anything, and you, you guys are, are in marketing, you know, Yes, take the data, take in, but another part of marketing is, you know, content creation, right? And we don't do that, but part of driving repeat buyers, not only having the proper data and having a data-driven mindset, but also having content that goes along with it. So when you're sending a data-driven email text or a social media post, um, you got the data there, but you need awesome looking content to go along with it. So that's where our managed services mainly comes in is to complement our software. That's a hard part. You talk about it, you know, people don't, people think marketing is a lot easier than it is. And when you talk about content creation and a lot of different stuff and Matt, I think you'll attest to hanging out with me for the last few years that, um, you know, there's a lot more work that goes into creating quality content than, than a lot of people think there is, you know, sometimes we'll talk to people and, you know, well, what goes into creating the Startup Hustle podcast? A lot of work, um, a lot of consistency, a lot of effort, and, and you know, a fair amount of planning. And that's not, uh, it doesn't come intuitively to everyone. So, you know, when it comes to marketing and selling your own products and services, like how do you, how do you go out and find uh, people to use your platform? Uh, for us, so it's, you know, old school, right? You know, knocking on doors. So now with I order, literally I have the ability to knock on doors. Just in my restaurant, I live in, we live in, my wife and I, we live uh, near downtown Atlanta. So there's a plethora of rent restaurants that I could walk to. They're not busy nowadays. Every restaurant on the planet is hurting. So they have a pain point. So I can actually knock on doors, but then also having a social media presence, you know, building credibility, being on this podcast. I didn't think being guests on podcasts will be part of the marketing strategy going into uh, 2020. But I did my first podcast back in February, then got a second guest invite from there, and it just kind of snowballed. And while everyone was shut down a few months back, started doing podcasts. So now I'm building credibility. So it's a 
I guess a multifaceted approach, uh, if you will. And then we also have channel partners in in the you know industry verticals that are helping us out as well. So channel partners are uh, is not something that all listeners will even know what that is. You know, channel partners basically aligning your vertical up with another company's. For example, uh, you've probably done something. You've probably signed up for one thing, and they've had a one-click install or something like that. Uh, that isn't a third-party software or plugin or something like that. What are a few things that you can tell us about channel partners and and finding them? Yeah, so let's take for I order. So I reached out to consultants in the restaurant industry, pitched them, hey, I think this, you know, obviously you've got the the brains and uh, consulting expertise, but I do think that combining your your brain power and technology uh, could set you apart from the other guys. So it's looking out for people uh, like that in various industries that could make themselves competitive, right? Uh, have a more competitive tech stack. Matt, what have you learned about sales channels over the years? I know you always have some interesting input on this category, on this topic. Well, I mean, they're they're always dramatically different from one business to another, right? I've, I've owned three different businesses and uh, recent years and the go-to-market strategy of all three of them has been so completely different from one to another. So um, you, once you think you know how to you know do this and you move on to the next business, it's so dramatically different. And um, you know, Stackify, we are more high volume, so you know we get hundreds of leads a month and deal with uh, hundreds of thousands of people on our website. So. You know, if you can figure out how to optimize any of that stuff by a few percentage points, it's a big deal. And um, we're always trying to figure out how to do that. But the struggle is is never ending. I think one of the things when it comes to, to sales channels and just j- different types of sales partners is, uh, and Matt, you've talked about this before, that, you know, what what glitters isn't always gold. Um, and you know, Matt and I have both had experience in the past with different businesses where we've thought we've aligned ourselves with a huge sales channel partner. And then you put all your effort, energy, emotion into that. And then you might just run into, uh, 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 crickets, not hearing anything. And, uh, you know, when it comes to sales channel partners, though, at the same time, if you can find ones that really work out for you, then you're going to shorten the life cycle of your sales. You're going to get your product in front of several other buyers and opportunities really quickly. I just I, I think for all early stage uh, startups that I would I would say he'd, you know, have some caution with them, though, because, uh you know, I had a, a specific experience with Gigabook where we basically put everything on hold for about three months thinking we had an amazing sales channel partner and then it just didn't pan out. And didn't you have an experience like that with Vent Solutions? Dude, we have that same same uh, experience every time you find a potential investor, a potential partner, like all the things, right? That's just part of business, right? You You think you got something and you spend a bunch of time hoping and praying it's going to happen. And then 90% of the time it doesn't. Not just, Hey, just a healthy shot of reality for yeah. other people. Not <laughs> trying to, not trying, not trying to Jerry, you got some comments there. Yeah. So, so you just have to cast a wide net sometimes. Right. So we were January, February this year before this craziness happened, 
we were um, knee deep with some partners for in the financial services space. And then once COVID happened, those guys disappeared. Now they're reappearing again. Say, hey, I've talked to my clients. They're they're interested. They're ready to further the conversation. So sometimes, man, you just never know what's going to happen. Uh, obviously, COVID put breaks in a lot of things. But as people are beginning to emerge, those relationships you've developed early on, in in our case, January or February this year, are now beginning to uh, to reappear again. Now, guys, speaking of partnerships, Matt Fullscale has a new partnership with Crown CFO. That's the sponsor of today's episode, and they offer fractional CFO services for businesses of any size and stage. You know, when you're uh, trying to allot your resources to different things as your business grows, um, you know, financial management and CFO stuff is is important, but not every business can afford a full-time anything. So you can go to crowncfo.com forward slash hustle. Uh, Jerry, have you utilized fractional services? I mean, whether it's a CFO or anything else before, have you ever tried that out? No, I have not. No, I have not. I mean, I've heard, I've never heard of a fractional CFO. Yeah, that's a, I've heard that's of a first CFO, for us. Though. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't realize as well when you hire a lawyer, that's basically a fractional legal team. So, Jerry, I'm interested to know what a few things that you've learned that transformed you as a leader or a professional or a person have been over the course of building your business. And for me, it's just always uh, getting after it. And I always tell people, always challenge yourself. Okay, you can challenge yourself in, in your professional life, but I wholly hardly feel that if you challenge yourself on your person in your personal life and you know learn from failure and learn how to be un- un- uncom- uncomfortable if you will that all those skills you do in your personal life will translate into your professional life and in this case what i'm doing and my team's doing right now is launching and s- scaling a startup so what what's the what's the hardest thing about startups for us, like the hardest, hardest thing was just getting someone to, to, to listen to you and then just showing them um, like the, the demos. I mean, I can remember going when, when we flew out to from Atlanta to Colorado, gosh, probably shook well over 100 hands when you could do that at the time. And I got two people out of it to do a to a to do a beta. And uh, I mean, just building that trust. Right, and you you're call, going to someone and saying, "Hey, I've got this cool idea. I'll sh- take you through a demo." And then the first thing I'm going to ask is, "Is this uh, you know real data? You know, do you have any customers?" And they'll, they'll say, "Thanks, but no thanks." So you've got to really do a lot of calling, uh, if you will, to find the one or two uh, you know businesses that'll take a chance on you. Right now, with, yeah, you know, with I order was a little bit easier, not saying that it was easy, but we already had something established and said, hey, look, this is the same engine that we've we've applied to other verticals. And I show them the demo, but now we've tweaked it for the restaurant space. So it's a little bit easier with I order because we have some relevancy. 
but yeah, I think that, that trust and, and relevancy and, and that's probably the hardest thing. I mean, there's always going to be hard steps, right? Once you get clients, how do you service those clients or keep them renewing? So there's always going to be challenges, but the first initial steps of getting those first few customers are the hardest. Yeah. In sports, they say that putting the first points on the board are oftentimes the hardest. Um, and, you know, one of the things is, as any startup has, is you run into that question, well, who are you working with? Who are your clients? How many users do you have? And, and when you're sitting there saying none or two or something like that, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge. Um, it, it, to get those first few people on the board, did you do anything different than what you would have done now? So to get this first handful of folks on board and we just kind of built up from there was just meeting them in person at the trade shows. Because I could be some guy online and, you know, with a social media account, how do I know these guys, right? But for, for me and the other guys in my, my team, just meeting those people and shaking their hand and looking them in the eye and building trust that way. So I've been uh, speaking of social media. I put a post up over on Friday that got an unusually high number of responses. And I asked as an entrepreneur, what is your superpower? So Jerry, as an entrepreneur, what is your superpower? I don't really have a superpower, but it's just, uh, if I were to answer this question, just getting after it every day. I mean, just basically that's it, whether you like it or not, just, you know, getting after it. Um, and another thing I'd like to add to is, especially with what's going on right now, or just uh, FYI in life, is never let a good crisis go to waste. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've heard that, we've heard that from a few people lately. So, it, well, tenacity is a superpower, um, resiliency, and getting up and doing it every day. Um, I mean, that's tough, and especially when you work for yourself, because. If, if when you're the only person you have to be accountable to, that can either be a real good thing or a real bad thing. So on that same note, do you have, is there a kryptonite that exists in your entrepreneur world? Um, I'm sure, I'm sure there is. I just trying to think of, uh, you know, okay, here's one, just being complacent. Uh, I, I act like you always have nothing and uh, that there's always someone out there to get you is basically but yeah, never be complacent. So if you go to our website, that's good advice. Yeah. If you go to website on the on standard insights, main and about, we talk about Kaizen getting better each and every day. Cause just never sitting on, sitting on your laurels. We're always on to look out for competitors and what they're doing. Oh, they're doing something great. All right, cool. Let's go to our website. Let's take a look. How can we tweak things? So we're doing that each and every day, just never sitting on our laurels. So, but if there was a kryptonite, it's never being complacent. So speaking of your website and, you know, one of the things, and you've got this in, in very large font, all that you need to simplify customer experience. Yeah. What are a couple, what are a couple tips you can give us about simplifying the customer experience? Well, aside from having the software being easy to use and intuitive, but make sure any of your materials, whether it's the website or uh, you're knocking on doors, talking to people, always make it about them, right? And the benefits and speaking their language versus um, talking about the features of your product, right? That sounds familiar, doesn't it, Matt? Yeah, that's really <laughs> good advice. 
I mean, no one's going to give the features of your product, right? It's what can you do for me? Nobody cares. Yeah. But once we're, they get, uh, once you get in, we're involved, we're laughing because that, yeah. that's a yeah, that's a like a broken record for me. Yeah. Uh, I always say features, advantages, benefits, FAB, and just like you know, people buy things that I mean, there's a number of reasons that people buy, but what are those benefits? And too many people get stuck on trying to sell the features, yep. and maybe they don't understand the advantages or the benefits. But if you can't map that out about your own product, then you're in trouble. So, you know, there's a there's a lot to be said there. Now, a, a couple other uh, off the wall questions for you here, Jerry. Um, do you consider yourself to be driven or obsessed? Probably a little bit of both. Probably, a, uh, you know, a little bit of both. And maybe not it, only here in the work, but just, um, you know, my hobbies. So during my, uh, you know, adult life, I've uh, done a handful of Ironmans. I've done ultra marathons. I've got, I got a blue belt in jiu-jitsu at, you know, at 45. Well, that's not easy just because you're fighting against guys, even though you're, they're your buds, then they're mid-20s. So could a little bit of both, driven and obsessed. I don't think you could do those things without having both qualities. Uh, and now I take what I do in my personal life and, you know, transferring it over here into scaling. Well, I appreciate startup. that. Yeah. I appreciate everything you said. Now we end episodes of Startup Hustle with what we call the Founders Freestyle. Now in the Founders Freestyle, you know, we go over a lot of stuff in these episodes, Jerry, and we like to give everyone a chance to either give, basically give advice or say a couple last things on the way out the door. What would you like to, what would you, we'll pass the mic around, but what would you like to say to the, to, to the hustlers out there? Yeah. So I mentioned a little bit ago, never let a good Christ go to waste. Uh, doesn't mean you have to launch a startup, but just always keep on learning just to, to better yourself each and every day. I mean, if you've never worked out before, you know, walk around the block or, or do a 5K, just do something to improve yourself each and every day. And, uh, you know, I'm 48 years old and I look at society and people are always, you know, fighting, you know, on social media. I mean, you would think these the Facebook fighters are, you know, they're like elite. MMA, you know, athletes, and they're not, and they're wasting time with that. So just get away from all that noise, focus on bettering yourself first. And then once you do that, you can help people around you get better. That's it. Matt, what do you have to say today? I want to point out that, you know, sometimes life is interesting and the timing of things can be very interesting. You know, you mentioned that you worked on an eye order menu and, and it wasn't working very well. Um, ha had a struggle getting traction and, and didn't quite get product market fit. We talked about that. And all of a sudden coronavirus comes around and you're like, you know what, maybe now this product, you know, can find a better product market fit because of the, the changes in the environment. And, um, you know, just pointing out, sometimes you just never know. And sometimes there's a window of opportunity for things. And sometimes you don't control that window at all. Um, and sometimes you just have to sit around and almost wait for the window. Yeah. Um, or you got, or you got to, you know, when that window's there, you got to really execute. So um, I just want to point that out that for those that are listening, sometimes you just never know when your window of opportunity is going to come along. 
Yeah, I agree. I'm going to parlay off that, Matt. And, you know, we have at, at full scale and you go to fullscale.io to check out what we do. And we work with a number of different clients and we had some in February that were on top of the world. And in April, we're singing the blues where the ones that were singing the blues in February were all of a sudden you know, on top of the world. So you never know when your, your moment's going to come. I I'm not a big believer in luck. And, you know, they say the luck is really just opportunity and preparation meeting at an intersection. So the question is, is that, you know, are you prepared to take advantage of a situation when it comes up? You know, Jerry talks about it and Jerry, I want to say, I appreciate your approach. Like, Hey, I'm going to put on my backpack and I'm going to go out and I'm going to shake a hundred hands today. And that's getting harder and harder to do, like in this current climate. But that's the way I would I I did it for years. Yeah. But you have to be prepared. So if you're not prepared and you're out there shaking hands, and all of a sudden your opportunity comes up, well, guess what? That's not bad luck. That's just yeah. you not being prepared. So you guys stayed on top of it, and then all of a sudden it, you're like, wow, okay, this might be the right time to do stuff. Um, you know, and, and I think that that's hard to do on many days, but I want to commend you for that. And then hey, on the, the last comment I'd like to make also is, you know, there's a world of very interesting AI solutions out there that are coming up. And, um, you know, I don't know if Standard Insights is the right one for you or not, but get out there and look at new stuff and new things because, you know, much like uh, Mr. Watson had uh, had mentioned, you know, he's got tens of thousands of visitors to to the Stackify site every month, a simple change of one or 2% in action or, or non-action can be pretty a pretty phenomenal outcome. So, you know, if you're not getting exactly what you want, get out there and see if there's someone that can help you do it. So, you know, other than that, Jerry, thanks for, thanks for spending some time with us today. Hey, thanks guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank yep. you, sir. I'm gonna go figure. I'm gonna go figure out how to get my how to get some AI to get my wife to order food faster now. So I'll. I'll, I'll think <laughs> that time. Startup hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.